series that we just finished. It was called uh, Living on a Prayer, and it was an awesome series. It was on the Lord's Prayer, and it's a prayer that we often pray in church together as a church, And then, but it's also something that people can use to guide their prayer life. It's not the only way to guide your prayer life, but it's, it's a great way to start if you need to use it to start. And um, I have loved spending this time talking about prayer with you guys, especially in a season of life that has felt just like so crazy busy. Has anyone else with me? This season has just felt insane, right? Like I was on a Facebook group where uh, a youth director, a Facebook group for youth directors, and one youth director was saying that she, uh, they just like, it's so insane that they, it's busier than December. May is busier than December. And I was like, well, that's difficult for you, but I don't think it's that way for me. And then I went into my life and my to-do list of things, and I was like realizing how packed full the youth calendar is in May. And it dawned on me, like, this prayer series came to be in probably one of the most busiest seasons of the year. (coughs) Isn't that true? Like, it came to be in one of the most busiest seasons of the year. Like, think about it. For students, you have all the the end-of-the-year celebrations, like for clubs and uh, all the things that you volunteer for and any school things, like any sports, all of those things. And then you've got grad parties, and then you've got, like, uh, birthday parties or anything like that. But then you also have all of your normal expectations, like homework and uh, other school things. You've got final tests. You've got, like, A, B, C, all these work things. Youth group, right? You've got all those things going for you. Okay, they're nodding their heads. And then you've got, you like, for parents, you've got, well, all the end of year celebrations for the students, like your kids, times however many kids you have, you've got all of the things that they have to do, and then you're an individual, so you have your work schedule, you have your things that you have to do, and um, like somehow you actually might need to have a social life in there somewhere, I don't know, is that a thing? Um, so you've got all of those things going on for you. It's a crazy busy season. And if you're retired, your kids are grown, all of those things are out of the house, life tends to like kind of still kick up in May and June, doesn't it? Like the sun shines and like the weather gets better and the expectation is to clean the house or something like that. Like you you have to like tend the garden, fix the fence, paint the shutters. Uh, spring cleaning is like an actually a real thing apparently. And you have to do those things. And uh, suddenly, like, your whole family wants to visit, like, all at once. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe you're excited about that. I'm not going to judge. I don't know. But suddenly, it seems like we all kind of stumble out of hibernation. And the expectation is that if you want to enjoy summer, you have to get all of these things done, and you have to get them done now. And to a point, there's some validity to that. Like, if you want to uh, have vegetables in summer, you have to plant in spring. That makes sense. And if you want to graduate high school, you have to study for that test and then take it. Sorry, guys. It's true. And so there's some validity to those things, but at a certain point, I find myself, like, 
checking off those to-do lists of the things that need to be done and have to be done now, but then, like, those things are done, and I don't have a to-do list anymore, and I feel awkward. I don't know what to do with myself anymore. And instead of choosing what's better, I just add more things on my to-do list. And I don't know what to do with myself. My expectation is to just always be busy. I think you might know where I'm going with this. If you don't know where I'm going with this, it reminds me of a story of a friend that Jesus had named Martha. We just read about her. Okay, cool, you're on track with me. Uh, we just read about her in Luke, and uh, there's a couple other places in the Bible that we can read about her, like in John 11 and John 12. We can kind of puzzle piece some information about her. Like, uh, she had a brother named Lazarus along with a sister named Mary. And they also lived in a place called Bethany, which was on the way to Jerusalem. So Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem when he was, uh, when he decided to stop in Bethany and hang out with these people. And this, these people, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, were very close friends of Jesus. Like they, they really enjoyed each other's company. They liked being around each other. And they, they, he trusted, these, this family trusted Jesus very much. They trusted him as Lord. By the way that they addressed Jesus, we know that to be true. Um, so they, Jesus was stopping in Bethany, and they stopped at his house, or their house, and uh, Jesus, by the way, speaking of living on a prayer and seeing an example of someone that uh, lived a life of living on a prayer, like Jesus was the best example of that. People were always dying for his attention, and uh, he always tried to find time to separate himself still and be with the Lord. But anyways, um, Jesus, or Martha was uh, someone that you would say a, was a doer, right? Like she was always serving and always in a serving role. You never saw her just like sitting. Ever. And then Mar Mary, she was someone that just loved to be near Jesus. She just loved to be gleaning as much information as she could from Jesus, always being near her side. And so with Martha entering and welcoming in the Lord into her house, I'm not sure what the hospitality standards were in like 30 AD or something like that, but I would imagine someone like Martha welcoming the Lord into her house. Like, she would start to notice every nook and cranny that needed to be cleaned. Don't you? Like, I think I kind of relate to someone like that, and I feel like I would start to just freak out a little bit, you know? Um, like, I just kind of have this mental picture of Mary and Jesus having this conversation, uh, and it's, like, really this intense and spiritual conversation. I feel like they're in the kitchen, and they just have this delicious and very full meal that Martha made, of course. Martha didn't get to eat it, you know, but she did the dishes. Yeah. And uh, she did the dishes, and they have this very delicious meal, and it was, like, awesome and wonderful, and the conversation that they're having is just, like, amazing. Like, the kind of conversation that you just wish that you could have if you could have, like, a conversation with Jesus right now. Just, like, he's staring at you in the face, and you have no distractions, no time limit, like, just like any kind of question you could ask Jesus, you could just get to ask him right now. Like, it's like the best situation possible. It's like 
spiritual and like wonderful and like this awesome. Except for like one detail. And it's that Martha is around the corner peeking your head for like the 15th time, flustered and super irritated and kind of sweaty because she's cleaning out the sewing cabinet for like no reason. Well, the reason is like, what if Jesus needs a sewing uh, new tunic? And like, how embarrassing would that be if Jesus needed a new tunic and saw the sewing cabinet in the way that it is right now? Like, that would be awful, you know? And she's thinking like, you know what? I'm super annoyed that Mary is getting to have this amazing conversation with Jesus, and I'm not getting any help around here. Like, what's up with that? Like, that's super annoying, you know? And she's like, I've been slaving around this house all day long, not getting any help from Mary. She gets to have this amazing conversation, and I'm not getting any help from Jesus or her. Like, Jesus should know that I'm doing all of this for him, and she, he should know that I should, could use an extra hand. You know? Like, I'm doing all of this organization, I'm doing all of this work, and I'm not getting any help from Mary or Jesus. Like, I'm actually really annoyed at both of them right now. You know you're in the right situation when you're getting mad at Jesus about organization strategies. Right? Like, classic Enneagram 1. Am I right? But she gets so frustrated and so annoyed that she decides she's got to just say something. And so she does. And we see that in Luke 10, verse 40. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus' response is one that we learn to expect when we know, when we read about Jesus in the Bible. It's an unexpected one. See, like, if, you're, if you read about Jesus, like, maybe you would think possibly his response would be, like, to shake his head and be like, oh, sorry, yeah, um, okay, like, what do you need? Look at the time and realize how long it's been and be like, okay, yes, what do you need? Sorry. But instead, his response was to say her name twice. Once is normal. Three times you're in trouble, I learned that growing up. <laughs> but twice, twice is intentional. It's gentle. It's loving. But it's attention-seeking. And I don't know how you imagine it when you read that passage, but this is how I imagine it. Martha. Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what's better, and it won't be taken away from her. I want to point out a few things that um, I think about when I see this response to Jesus, or from Jesus about Martha. Like what Jesus didn't say to Martha. Jesus did not say, Martha, Martha, you need to change yourself and be like Mary. See, Mary is someone who I think it's safe to say is a learn and then help kind of person. I think some people are wired that way, and I think some people are not. Martha, suffice to say, is probably like a learn on the job kind of person. And that's probably the kind of personality trait that makes her a servant. 
It could very well be the personality trait that makes you a servant. And Jesus is not saying to Martha or to you, don't be a servant. In fact, in John 12, verse 2, there's another situation where Jesus is having dinner and Martha is serving and Lazarus is learning from him and Mary is anointing Jesus. And there's no problem. There's no situation like this. And that situation doesn't cause a sentence like that to come out of Jesus' mouth. And so Jesus is not saying in that scenario, in this scenario in Luke, that she needs to be like Mary. And he's also not saying that she needs to be uh, to stop serving forever. I think what Jesus is saying and is addressing is her inability to stop moving. He doesn't want her to be worried and upset about many things, but to focus on what's better, what can't be taken away. And what's better is not who Mary is, but what Mary chose. What she chose is to not be worried about the endless to-do list, and to not be worried about the expectations that she might have for herself or other people might have for herself, but to focus and be intentional about the time that she has with Jesus. The no distractions, no time limit, the face-to-face conversation with God. And he wants that for us too. Because I don't think it was a trick of Pastor Pete's that he had this prayer series in this time that was so crazy busy in our life. Well, actually, I don't know. He's really in tune with the Spirit, so that could have been the case. I don't know. It's true. But in all honesty, like, it's so easy um, to get so caught up in this, like, dizzy, in this chaos, like, endless to-do list of some necessary and some unnecessary endless to-do list of things that we need to do. But are we allowing ourselves in that season, myself included, are we allowing ourselves the time to have a conversation with God and to let him talk back to us in the way that he would speak to to his closest friends? What would you say to him? And what would he say to you? Would it be the unrecorded words like he said to Mary? Or would he challenge you like he's challenging me to stop moving? And to have a moment with him, a conversation. It reminds me of that Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Some translations even say, cease striving. (laughs) And know that I am God. Lindsay, Lindsay, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In fact, only one. Choose what's better, what won't be taken away. Friends, what would it look like for you personally to allow yourself the time to practice what's better? Taking in what we learned last series, especially last week, what Pastor Pete talked about, 
and what we're learning from Mary and Martha today. What would it look like for us to put aside the expectations of being busy and having that to-do list for a moment of face-to-face conversation with God? You know, I wonder, I wonder what Martha, Martha's response was when Jesus said that to her. Is that you? Like, I wonder if she was like, all right, you got me. And just decided to, like, dust herself off and join the conversation with Mary. Or I wonder if she was like, nope. And just, like, walked away and decided to keep organizing. Because if I'm being truthful with you guys, I can recall both times in my life where I've responded to him that way. Because there's been times in my life where I know he's asking me to have a conversation with him, and I know that I can, like, I, there's been a time where I can see, like, the time where I can have with him, and I'm like, yes, okay, I get it, that's what I need to do, and I go for it. But then there's been times where I know he's asking me to have a conversation with him, and I'm like, yeah, God, when am I going to do that? Like, tell me the time frame in which I'm going to make that happen. And I just don't see that make, that time frame to be possible. And in all honesty, in reality, there's going to be times where we want to have Mary-intended conversation with Jesus, and it looks more like a 10-minute catch-up on our way to pick up the kids from school. And that's okay. Because... The, If we're honest with ourselves and with our schedule, there's going to be times where we do have 10 minutes, and it's more like distracting 10 minutes. And then there's going to be times where we have like 45 minutes, and the 45 minutes, or it's like no time limit at all. What matters to God is not the time limit that you have, but that you wake up and you choose to be intentional with the time that you want to give the Lord, or that you choose to give. Because if we aim for intentional and we ask Jesus to show up, he's faithful and he responds. And eventually, that intentional time and the intentional moments that we have with God become holy and divine encounters with a God that loves you and has been dying to have this very conversation with you today. And let's be honest. If we've ever had that moment of clarity, where we decide to stop moving and sit at Jesus' feet. Don't you know how much lighter you feel? Not because our to-do list goes away, not because our life gets any easier, but because we're reminded of what is better. We're reminded of the love that we have hidden in Jesus Christ, who died for us has been dying to have a conversation with us. It's so much better than anything we could check off of our list. It's so worth putting away the to-do list. God doesn't want us to be worried and upset about many things, but to focus on what's better, what won't be taken away. Let's, Let's go to him right now in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for making it easy on us. For taking away every barrier, every avenue 
so that we just have to go to you in prayer. Father, I pray that as we continue to worship, as we continue to um, focus on you right now, Lord, will you be faithful like you always are? Will you show up like you always do? God, thank you for being the God that you are, ever faithful and always trusting. We give this time to you. We pray this in your name.